us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's now time for more of the last comic shop. That is right. We are opening the shop to newbies to help them find their way under this great giant comic book tent of ours. And we're keeping the lights on for the oldies that might want to learn about new cool stuff that they can pick up on their weekly trips to their local comic shops. Yeah, we're being real timely this week because we're actually going to talk about a comic book that will be released in stores tomorrow. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, as well as our wonderful friend, Mikey Wood, who's joined us for another week. And uh, if you're wondering (laughs) what book we're going to be talking about, uh, it's called Black Cloak. And issue one comes out in comic book stores tomorrow from Image Comics. It's done by the wonderful Kelly Thompson, as well as art by Meredith McLaren. And I thought for today's episode, we'd actually use this upgrade that I got for Christmas for the Archive-Rama 3000, which allows folks to call us. You know, like Zoom. Or what? Whatever. Like, <laughs> like special guests and stuff? Yeah, exactly. It's got a lot well, more like sound effects and whistles and bells and stuff. But I thought it would be really great to bring in a guest to try out this new technology. I'm a guest. You have me on as a guest. That's what I do. I thought you just came here to do your laundry. That is absurd. By the way, you're out of fabric softener. But it's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You get your mail here now, Mikey. We, we we no longer consider you a guest at the shop. But yeah, I thought that we would actually dial up Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren and uh, see if they wanted to talk about not only their collaborations in the past, but also this awesome book that will be hitting comic book shops tomorrow. So without further ado, here comes the Archive Ramos Weird Monkey Sound Effect Thingy the Bobber. The sound that Britney Spears makes in that one song, that nang, 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 and just play it over and over again, that would be really funny. Oh, oh. nice. We're off. (laughs) Absolutely. We've lost our minds. All right. We are here at the last comic shop with Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're going to be able to live up to that hype right there. (laughs) Get the Kermit the Frog treatment. For all of my wonderful guests that take time to stop by the shop, I feel I owe it to them, you know? It's, yeah, but it's, you started too high. Now there's nowhere to go. <laughs> it's called a roller coaster. You go down, and you go back up, and then you... Fair it's, enough. It's going to be a, a wild ride for everybody here in podcast land. And uh, real quickly, as I said, m- m- most question I've got for both of you to start off things is, uh, do you remember the first comic book you read? Or the one that was like, ooh, yeah, this really makes me want to like comics, I guess. Uh, we'll Sailor start with Kelly. Meredith's like, I will not wait. Sailor Moon. <laughs> I, I, I had it there. Now, was um, it Sailor Moon the comic or the cartoon or both? It was Sailor Moon number one, but they did a weird thing. Tokyo, I think it was Tokyo Pop that had them at the time. Mm-hmm. They started licensing like in the middle of the first series of sailor moon and so it was like it says it's number one but they've all met each other and there's a plot going on that i can't follow well i mean that's good i mean you don't have to have that whole origin story origin story that's right yeah origins are overrated anyway um speaking of my origin story is uh archie comics are technically the first things i read when i was little little okay um i don't have a memory of a specific one but i was certainly inclined toward betty and veronica of course um but when i was a little older when i was in high school i think i was about 15 my first floppy comic that we all sort of know and love as wednesday warriors uncanny x-men 290 with storm on the cover wills portacio cover Mm -hmm. and i don't know that it's a particularly 
interesting cover to be someone's first comic who then goes <laughs> on to like be a creator like it's not a hugely beloved issue for me but i do have an incredible memory of experiencing it and the reason i got it was because my brother and i had discovered the cartoon like so many people of a certain age and he recognized her from the cartoon which so he brought it home from the mall and it's mine now. So it lives in my garage. <laughs> Possession is nine tenths of the law. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, yeah, no, no that's awesome. Yeah. That. But I will <laughs> yeah. say, I think it's, I do think it's notable as being like uh, X Men of the time were, you know, not like super, super punchy. I mean, you know, it's all that great Claremont stuff. And then after that, I mean, like very soap opera y, right? And I mean, I don't know if there's any action in that uncanny x-men 290 i only note that just because that's a funny superhero comic to be your first superhero comic and maybe nobody throws a single punch in it i, I can't remember exactly but mm. like the plot lines i was was super interested in from the jump had all to do with interpersonal stuff yeah. so sort yeah, of tracks. I, think, I think it's like storm and forge yes and mystique it's yeah. like the storm is trying to decide whether to go off with forge. Cause he's asked her to like, leave the X-Men and go off with him. And then she Again. basically comes <laughs> back. Yeah. She basically comes back, I think. And she was planning to say she was going to go, but then he decides to go with mystique instead because she like needs him or whatever. Cause mm. she's all, it was that time, which I actually think is sort of an interesting time for mystique. Although she's, very inelegantly written throughout her history in my opinion but that was a really interesting time where she was like really struggling with her shape shifting and like it was sort of driving her insane and but maybe that was all like a con like when we look back now who knows because she's so tricky you know mm -hmm. so it's good stuff yeah. there you go that's before she shifted over into x-factor and all the other fun stuff that's right 90s x-men yeah. comics were the best that whole <laughs> that whole line but uh, you mentioned origin stories, and I know today we're excited to talk to you guys about Black Cloak, but I also wanted to bring up, I know this is not your first rodeo uh, working together. And so if my research is, is, is right, uh, one of the first professional works you published was with Meredith, Kelly. So yeah. where did you guys meet up? What's your collective origin story? So since it started from my end, I'll start, but Meredith can finish. Basically, I was trying to become a comics person i was writing a lot on the side and i was saving up some money to try and get together a pitch and stuff and i had this thing called heart in a box and sophie campbell and i had recently become friends sort of online and she was sort of you know my dream artist in so many ways but i also you know sophie campbell not only was many many stations above where i was at at that point but like sophie campbell like many talented artists doesn't really need me like she likes to write her own stuff so i think she knew that even though she liked me and we were really becoming good friends we shouldn't like jump into a story together especially when she was already you know her plate was full but she really liked my book my script what i had shared with her and she recommended a couple people and meredith was top of that list and i just found meredith and just fell in love with her stuff and i shot off the email seeing if she would be interested in becoming friends and trying to do this thing together and uh yeah and Meredith, what's your your side of the story? Kelly's awesome. I was listening to Kelly's podcast at the time, Three Chicks. And we talked a little. She was nice enough to promo a book I was self-publishing at the time called Hinges. And she sent over the script. And I was just, it was really something I was looking for at the time. Like it was a concept I was really interested in and had been sort of trying to to find my own angle into. And then Kelly just gifted me the whole story and i'm like yes this is this is what i had been looking for mm, that's awesome yeah so sophie campbell is the the uh i was familiar with her work on wet moon and then i heard that she was going to be doing a gem book with you mm -hmm. and i'm 49 so i watched gem when it aired you know <laughs> yeah. so i was like okay this is going to be a disaster and it was <laughs> wonderful it was like and then and then in a roundabout kind of way i had known hinges because of it's so weird because of a book that i was reading called breathers by somebody else and i saw hinges and the style was it just struck me as being visually something i dug and i liked it and i love your dialogue bubbles with the little swirlies i love that so much and then you guys did a run of gem together and it was like okay 
And then when I heard about this interview, I was like, can I please be on? I'm a fanboy. I am. Yeah. Yeah, uh, So Heart in a Box, it's hard to know exactly how the timeline lines up, but, you know, because Heart in a Box was a graphic novel, it took a lot longer. So we were already working on that for like a full almost year. And I should say Meredith was working on most of my stuff was done. I mean, there was a lot of stuff I was doing here and there, but the script itself was done. So most of it fell on her, but like she was working on that for like a, I think almost a full year before Sophie and I started pitching on Gem. And then it was in like year two of Gem when we did the Stinger story that I was able to bring Meredith on. And that was really exciting for me. I, I had incredible artists on Gem. I was always incredibly lucky, but I have to say Meredith is the only one to me who like got the music stuff the way sort of Sophie did, where she was really interested in expressing those characters. And I think some of that comes from where Meredith gets her influences from, but like, you know, she's very quick to like, to like draw in something that you might see more in manga, like, pizzazz getting mad and like a literal dragon like forming above her head you know like stuff like that and but she I don't know I think she integrates it in a really unique way that really makes it her own and that was doing gem with Meredith was some of the most fun I had when it wasn't Sophie which you know was obviously very fun although Sophie also yells at you a lot like if you make her draw horrible things one time one time I put motorcycles and a ferris wheel in uh the same book and uh, she almost came to my house and killed me I think like you want to add horses to that she's like oh will there be a carousel and I'm like no <laughs> like it was so funny because Sophie's work on Gem was so in, much softer than the Wet Moon stuff that I was familiar with. You know, when Meredith came, it was like this really kind of natural progression. Because a lot of times these books that run into like second or third sort of volumes, they get a new artist and it's kind of like a jarring difference. Uh, I don't know. It just it worked. It, it just felt kind of organic. But at the same time, not like, OK, they're just riffing on what came before. I don't know. I think that's fair. So, yeah. And I yeah. think we did. We both have the same colorist. Yes. Yeah, I think that helped bridge the gap too. The color is the same as much as possible. Robodeau, Victoria, she was very good. And, you know, it really helped sort of unify the book a little bit. Yeah, Meredith was like the third, fourth arc or fourth or fifth arc. Like who Mm -hmm. knew we were going to get that far? But I think, you know, Meredith's style is... um, it's not, and I mean this in the nice way, it's not necessarily, you know, big two comics accessible. Like, and so my trajectory as a writer, you know, it's hard for me to always get Meredith on stuff that I'd like. Like, I'd like to put her on anything, but like, I'm sorry to say the world isn't ready for like Meredith McLaren, Captain Marvel as a monthly book. Like, they're just, they're, they're just not ready, but I think it would be incredible. But, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you just have to, for sort of the right fit. I mean, like, I feel like everyone is talking about Philippe Andrade because of Layla, which is a great book, a beautiful book that he did. And he deserves all the praise in the world. They both do for that book. But like, people were so critical of him when he did a few issues of Kelly Sudaconic's Captain Marvel. And Mm. I loved it. But, you know, yeah, it's a little exaggerated. It's a little cartoony and extreme in different ways. And so sometimes people aren't ready for it in that way, but they'll accept it in another way. And so I don't know. For me, I love working with Meredith. And so I'm always looking for the chances that she and I can intersect again. You know, it worked on Gem. It worked really great on Heart in a Box. And now here we are in Black Cloak, which I hope yeah. will be our she always, always Like when Carlos Meglia did two issues of Electra, they thought you'd think the earth like ended. Because they were just <laughs> like, oh my, but it was Carlos Meglia. But anyway, the um, Kelly, you, you, you tend to work with artists that draw women like women. Like even Nancy Drew, like even the characters in Nancy Drew look like people you can actually could meet on the street which is it's a, it's refreshing it's a it's like a book that i can show my daughter's 15 and i could say check this out you know yeah i mean that's obviously really important to me i but i also think you know i i would say an example of what i like to do is Maria de Lewis and I on Jessica Jones because mm-hmm. Jessica Jones is a very not super sexualized character like she's just a attractive woman with like a normal body type and she wears jeans she's mostly all covered up and 
I put as guest stars in the first book, Elsa Bloodstone, who's like a crazy looking sort of bimbo with unrealistic hair. And then in the second one, I put Emma Frost, who's like got diamond boobs. So, I mean, but but some of that to me is just because it's not about any of those things being wrong. It's just about the variety. Like, mm -hmm. I want a world in which Jessica Jones is there kicking ass and also Emma Frost with her ridiculous boobs. Like, mm -hmm. there gets to be this thing where people think, women are against things being sexy or or that anyone who's like a sjw type of thing and that's just not it like i'm into sexy i just don't want everyone looking the same i don't want it for dudes i don't want it for women i want variety i want diversity i want it to look like the world and honestly it's sometimes just a really high bar because comic artists and this is no no insult intended they have incredibly intense work schedules to do what they do on a monthly basis. Mm. So I'm not trying to drag people because they can't draw every different body type, but you do have to think about who your artists are when you're putting them on the project, because sometimes that's just going to be a problem. And like, I had no interest in doing Nancy Drew unless they wanted to put us with the right people who were going to like understand that world and be able to really create it, you know, and, and make it breathe and live. Yeah. And, and speaking mm -hmm. of diversity of characters, Black Cloak, let's talk about mm -hmm. that real quick, because again, <laughs> you want to talk about Meredith being able to just throw everything in the kitchen sink in this world. It is wonderful how many kinds of characters you, you get into the art. Jay, you had something that you wanted to say about the art uh, when we were talking pre-segment, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I just, it's already being, you know, hailed as sort of the the big new comic for 2023. Every, you're oh. getting a lot of great press with it. I love the oh, no, mix too much of, pressure. <laughs> of detective noir and magic and sci-fi all mixed together. We were given the first three issues to read and review ahead of this. My first question is, are you envisioning this as like a 12 part? Is it a mini series? Is it going to be an ongoing thing? Are we, is it going to go saga length? Are we looking at <laughs> hundreds of issues? I want to take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we'll say Meredith. I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's a little bit in Meredith's hands not to put that pressure on her. Because like I was saying before about Sophie, you know, Meredith is incredibly talented writer in her own right. So she doesn't need me for everything. But when I approach these things, I'm like, how do I get Meredith to absolutely fall in love with everything we're doing so that she just wants it? So she wants to do it. So she enjoys doing it. So it's a great thing for both of us. So I just try to write the thing that I think will be a great story that the fans will write and also something that'll keep Meredith interested because we only basically last as long as we're Meredith is still interested, you know? Right. But I do think there's a very real thing, which is maybe not what fans want to hear. This first arc we have is six issues. It's pretty oversized. I mean, as you guys know, you read three issues and it was like 90 pages. So yeah, there's three more big issues and it's another, you know, 60 plus pages. So it's pretty significant. And that arc does sort of wrap up and then hints about where we're going to go, we hope. Okay. But I mean, uh, but a lot of that really depends on the fans. I mean, the world building is there and the stories are there and the interest is there for us to absolutely do like a saga like thing. And one of the beauties we've talked about about Black Cloak is that while the next story could and maybe should be an Essex impact story like this one is like what happens to them next, there are a million opportunities for just offshoot stories within that world. So we would love to do a lot in here, but you know, a lot of it's going to depend on how well it does. If it's doing really well, we'll keep going for sure. But you, you know, the market will bear what the market will bear. <laughs> and Meredith, there's so much going on in this book. You I mean, you have the, the police procedural aspects, the magic, the dragons, the mermaids, everything. Is there anything in particular that uh, is, is your thing that you really can't wait to dive into whenever you get those pages? Oh gosh. Kelly, are you going to give me any action scenes soon? <laughs> uh, there are going to have to be some toward the end, but I wasn't okay. uh, doing a lot of that now. Yeah, yeah. I do like action scenes a lot, but also just something that where you, I can really push an ambiance, you know, like put you in an environment where you're like, you you know what that environment feels like, you know what it smells like, you you know how warm it is you know right. anytime i get to do something like that and establish 
that environment is really lovely. It feels lived in almost. Yeah. Which I think you can really feel in like the club scene or the trees when she goes to the trees neighborhood, like, right. There's so many different environments in play. You really get to stretch your muscles. Yeah. Yeah, I I get to do everything. I honestly love the first page, like the opening page where it's just like this, this map. It kind of reminded me of like old silver age comics. I used to read with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, where they would show you, I don't know, the inside of the Baxter building or where they would store the pogo plane. Like you didn't really care about that (laughs) stuff, but it kind of like, it made you feel like a part of the world. It was like giving you the map. You were kind of like, okay, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is where I live. This is where I'm going to live for. So I thought that was a really nice touch. So yeah. kudos to that. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. I, yeah. I love that. I love that first page because I think it takes itself really seriously, which is like at the start, which is what I want. And it's the only time you see the city in the whole first arc from the outside, which I think is important to understand that this really truly is a walled city and it's like a closed system. So you don't really venture outside it. And I want that to feel I don't know, a little bit claustrophobic. Like it can't feel completely claustrophobic because it was really important to us to really build out all those environments and like make it feel like its whole own world. And so you lose some of the claustrophobia in that, obviously. But I did never want to see, except for the lagoon, like there's no break from that, you know. But I, I do think that first page taking itself so seriously and then by the end of it, the words sort of undercutting well, this isn't exactly the story you thought you were maybe signing Mm -hmm. up for. Like, I love that. Like, I love the contrast of what we're doing with the text versus the words in that first page. And that hopefully it puts you on your back foot in a good way. Like, oh, I'd seen this before. And then you get to those last captions and you're like, oh, maybe not. Like, so, I mean, that's what we're definitely trying to do. And we're trying to do that over and over again, I think in sort of different ways, but yeah. Yeah. And Kelly's really good at giving us lines that just stick with you like Mm -hmm. sorry just one more thing on the the whole walled city concept and and just the establishing page and then going forward it reminded me a lot of hong kong and the whole on the edge of a cliff nature mixed with concrete mixed with steel and everything my question when you were building this out and designing it all how did you come about with the color palette because i think they the the colors play a significant role in the book It was really deliberate. Like, I think we went through several iterations on the first couple of pages trying to find. And even the cover, even the cover, which if anyone's curious after listening to that and you go to the Substack, if you go to my Substack, it's 1979semifinalist.substack.com. There's a black cloak tab and you can see lots of process stuff. And one of them is like showing the cover because we had just wildly different versions like there's a very like beautiful like pinks and pale blues version of that cover and i loved it i was so in love with that but we all looked at it and went tonally it's wrong like that is not this book that's not the mood we're setting like that will set the wrong precedent right out of the gate and so we went with like the dark and creepy you know more understated colors so there was a lot of that meredith is a genius with color in my opinion i sometimes I have no idea on- what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> then that is genius right it's just natural talent um <laughs> but yeah. I do i do occasionally push her either when i just feel like she hasn't pushed far enough yet like you know because i don't know what it's like to be meredith and create a thing and then look at it and be like hell yeah because i don't ever feel that way maybe she doesn't either but you know when you've built up colors like that over time there's a point at which you're like this looks great and Mm -hmm. then you send it to someone else and they're like hey it looks really great keep keep going (laughs) (laughs) sure i'm sure meredith like wants to strangle me but i think I think in all the cases, we've pretty much agreed that she was right to keep going and that we found like a much better level, but that's pretty rare. She sort of nails it out of the gate, but like a good example of her world building color that just like changes everything to me is that on the first pass, you know, the scene where they're interviewing the kids above the lagoon. Mm -hmm. So when she first drew those pages, the fences were just sort of like wood slatted fences, like the kind you'd maybe see at a beach, maybe an East Coast Martha's Vineyard type of beach. It felt very natural, but it felt wrong 
for us. And I hadn't directed her specifically to do anything. So she just, you know, done what felt right. But then we were talking about it and we were like, it doesn't feel sci-fi. It doesn't feel weird. It feels too normal. Like we got to twist it just a little bit. And I think it was our editor, Charles, who mentioned and sent a reference for like, like a glass, but like glowing energy. And so she ended up blocking in these pink neon fencing and I was like there it is <laughs> like it just awesome. took it just took that scene immediately from looking like something normal to looking like something a little sci-fi a little fantasy a little more you know tweaked and so right. I really I really do think that doing proper world building is you know making sure you catch some of those things you don't have to catch all of them but catching enough of them that you're twisting the perception and making sure you're pushing people in the right direction for what they're supposed to be thinking and feeling and assuming, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that this, this book, it kind of does that beautifully because honestly at, at its core, it's, it's a murder mystery at its core. It's, I feel like it's an accessible book for, for folks, you know, that may not be into comic books, but you know, they're on the fringes or they just like reading and so they can they can pick this up, and again, it's at at the heart. It's like a, a cop procedural. You you kind of it's like Law and Order or something like that. But then everything's got this like Tolkien slash Blade Runner sheen kind of thrown mm-hmm. on top of it. I mean, there's a one of the kids has like what is it gas as a head like, yeah. like mist and, and two eyes, yeah. and I'm just like, all right, yeah. sure, let's go with it. Like I, I don't know how that physically works but who cares <laughs> who cares really interesting and i think uh, that's really what it's about is you're, you're taking things that are, are, are very tropes that everybody kind of knows but then you're just kind of adding that flavor that just just it just makes it something special and so i think that's why when jay said this is going to be maybe one of the hottest books of 2023 i think that's why because it's it's combining a lot of things that people like they yeah. love cop shows. They love you had me at Scary Mermaids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah. I, I hope you're right. I mean, a lot of people have asked me, like, oh, why is it this mashup of these things? And my honest answer is, those are all my favorite things. Why wouldn't I shove them all in a blender and like see what we get, you know? And it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here. I mean, there have certainly been procedurals set in like weird scenarios or whatever. But I mean, I definitely, I, <laughs> I definitely hope you're right, Andrew, because I do think there's, you know, there's a risk when you do something like that, that you're like, oh, I've taken all these individual things that people like, and I've turned them into something a little different. And like, maybe they're still not like, maybe for my mom who likes a procedural but doesn't like fantasy like she's out you know so it i i hope we're gonna gather up all the misfits under our tent and they'll all fall in love with it like we did but i think there's a risk like maybe it really opens up your readership or maybe you end up like scaring off people who love procedurals Mm. i don't know i think it's a bit of a question mark we'll see how it goes i hope you're right though right well i I think that you're taking risks similar to um you know black sad black sad is a wonderful cop procedural but everybody's like all the people are animals and and, but but it works because of the gorgeous art and the world building that they build i mean it, it just so i feel like it's a very it's in a very similar vein to that except it's your own spin it's your own flavor it's yeah your own thing. that's yeah. great company to be in i i yeah. love that. i love that reference point yeah. i do think and maybe you guys can tell me since you have experience on sort of i mean i read a ton of books as a fan but i do think once you start creating it gives you a weird <laughs> it gives you a weird extrasensory perception thing that makes it that's sort of hard to turn off and so I think I don't come to things as pure as I maybe used to, which is sometimes a bummer. But um, I do think that something like Black Sad, I mean, like part of the magic of that is just you got to bring the confidence that you know what you're doing because you know what I mean? Like you buy the procedural, even though it's a guy with a cat face in a trench coat talking to you, you buy it because it just does it. It, it doesn't yeah. apologize for it. It doesn't, it doesn't hedge its bet. It just goes all in. And I think well, yeah. with a lot of things, when you're trying to do something new like that, you got to fully commit or else people will sense it. People will sense that you're not sure about it. And yeah. so you got to just go all the way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was actually going to mention that the, one of the things that's great about this book and, and, you know, most of the things that your your dialogue is very natural. Your dialogue sounds like people actually talk. You know, it it, it just does. And that combined with you know Meredith's art on this book w- with this world, like you felt 
it didn't feel foreign to you. Like by the time you turn that page, it just feels like everything is supposed to be what it's supposed to be in this world. For me, it just felt warm. It felt like, like something that was familiar, but that little twist. And I, and I think that's, that's that confidence in there. It just, it just works. Like it, it, it feels like my favorite character so far is the big goat guy that works in the, in the office. Like, I love him. I just, I don't know if he has a name yet. I might've missed it, but I love him so much. He's just got these little tiny glasses. She does have a name. Yeah, uh, it's in the script. Is yeah, it? Officer, so, what is it? That was, and that I was my question. <laughs> what, like, what? Mm-hmm. So, what's Kelly's scripting like? Do, do you? Does she say go nuts with the character designs, or sometimes says he's a giant goat guy with these cute little glasses? Is it just sort of a combination? I mean, it's not. Is she, she the man flaming a- skeletons. We saw that from Meredith's Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. She did actually specifically go. This needs to be in the comic, and I went. Well, yeah, I was like. Ah! Would you mind? Because he's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, like yeah, me. Sure. it's me. I'm him. You know, that was. <laughs> um, I would say, I think it's a pretty even mix where okay. sometimes Kelly is like, I trust you with this. And then other times Kelly's like, I have a very specific vision. Okay. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, if I have something like Dracona was something I created and because it has a specific meaning in this world and like the Dracona dagger and all this mystery stuff, I, I did have some like, I was like, hey, these need to be this, you know, go nuts, but this is what we're heading for. And then I think on fairies, I knew that I wanted Pax to be a fairy, but I wanted to really go against type for fantasy stories. We tend to think very female. We think very small we think delicate we think feminine you know and i just wanted to go like no they're short and stocky they're very powerful they're brawlers yeah they're brawlers like and let's just go with that and so like that's a little tweak like we're not geniuses or anything but it just keeps (laughs) things a little interesting i think to like mix it up some so i think when i have a specific thing that i want to try to do I let her know. I would always let her talk me out of it if she feels like it's not right. But then I try to just give suggestions and then get out of her way because she's incredibly good at it. And nine times out of 10, what she'll come up with is better than my scratchings on a page. Occasionally, I try to inspire. Like when she was designing the queen, I was like, imagine an elf bitch that like stands <laughs> stands on your throat in stilettos and you beg for more you know so like sometimes i'll get flowery yeah. to like get the vibe but you guys yeah. need to do like an like an 8-bit video game yeah like like Something like, like, like that. with these characters in there yeah like, i'm, like, I'm thinking action figures i'm thinking everything oh <laughs> like like i just dig it man it's like it's it's a really good it's a great start man definitely look forward to more and it's the the relationships between essex and and her partner and her the flashbacks between she yes. and the prince oh, the are just beautiful like it's beautiful that, that, like you that. love the by the second issue, you love these people. Like you, yeah. you Oh, that's good. You know, yeah. That, that that establishing shot where she's standing in front of the castle and it's all dark and the tree mm-hmm. is dead and the gate is closed, and that's the half page panel, and right below it is the flashback. The gate is open, the tree is in full bloom. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's oh uh, yes. And yeah. but but it's also it's it's like blues and pinks and oh i love that yeah it's 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 a beautiful like you i mean i hope you guys are really proud of it because it's 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 really something and and yeah yeah i'm i'm looking forward to you know 25 50 issues so i can buy the omnibus of it (laughs) oh we're gonna run out of time oh no yeah exactly so um we can come back we'd be happy to come back that That is is awesome you know what the last comic shop here what we love to do is bring uh, folks back on and they get to actually not only talk about their own stuff, but pick a book by somebody else. We'll, we'll all read it together like we do on the show and we'll talk about that and somebody else's work. So we would love to have you back on the last comic shop to do a, a, a read pile with us. Uh, and, and, and until then, make sure that you're going out to your comic book shops tomorrow. That's right. Black Cloak number one drops tomorrow at your comic book shops. Pick it up because it is wonderful. You have that last comic shop seal of approval on that book. Meredith, Kelly, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank Uh, you. And continue to do these great comics, really. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. It's been a a lot. 
any case, that was our interview with Kelly Thompson and uh, Meredith McLaren. And as we said, they are welcome to come back to the last comic shop anytime they want to read a book for us with our read piles and all that wonderful stuff. And we hope that you, again, go out to your comic book shop in your neighborhood and pick up issue one of Black Cloak tomorrow. It's uh, over 50 pages in the first issue, man. You're really getting your money's worth. Absolutely. And absolutely, we're going to have some more uh, comic book recommendations that maybe you can also find at those comic book shops right after these messages. So stay tuned. Being a PI, you learn fast what seems like a normal case never is. You never realize how much you're going to need your friends. You can never guess how near your enemies are. And you never know who to trust. Now I'm chasing down an ancient artifact. The only thing that can stop this newly unearthed terror. It sounds crazy, but I'm not thinking how nuts it all is. All I can think about is the only man who's ever managed to grab my heart is right at the heart of this mystery. And why? Every time my heart gets involved in anything, there's always a monster waiting in the shadows to break it. Ripped from the pages of the self-titled comic book comes Dash, a new queer supernatural noir podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Dash, on Instagram at Dash.Noir, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hazel always knew there was something special about her cat, Mooney, but she's still shocked when Mooney opens his mouth to tell her he's just had a vision. An ancient evil has awoken after centuries of sleep, and only one man can stop it, the legendary warrior, Beowulf. Unfortunately, it's been over a thousand years since he slayed a dragon, and he's been reincarnated as this guy. His name is Victor, and he's more unemployed millennial slacker than mighty warrior. Go to monarchpublishing.net for a free sample comic. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for recommendations. Yes, uh, time in every single show where we give you books that you can uh, pick up at your local comic book shop, hopefully. I mean, some of them might be out of print, who knows? But we're telling you that you should try to find them. In addition to finding Black Cloak and making sure that ends up in your pool pile. Uh, not only tomorrow, but every month after that. So, yeah. Here are recommendations. We're going to start off with J.A. Scott. J.A., what's your recommendation for this week? I am recommending another image book. We alluded to it in our conversation with Kelly and Meredith. It is Saga. You know, it had been on hold for a while. It's back out again being published with this great for all the people who are fans of Saga. Saga heads, do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways... The uh, first trade was released back in October. It collects issues 55 through 60. It picks up the story again. Hazel is now an adolescent. Uh, she's going through those formative teen years. Her mom is a drug runner and also selling formula because breast milk is bad. I know it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Marco is, of course, spoiler alert, dead. So she's dealing with the fallout of the murder of her father. It really drew me back in you know i've been waiting for two years for the story to come back i'm glad they're putting out saga again very similar to black cloak in that you get fairies and things with wings and all these different creatures and you know magic yeah. and the imagination the horns. and horns right. and, and, and not dissimilar color palettes though black cloak is a little bit more noir where saga has a bit more um I don't know, magic-y out there. It's a little bit more technicolor. There you go. Yes. Saga Volume 10, first trade of the of the new run. Okay. And so you you picked it up and not waited for like the threes to be smooshed together into like your your books, or you're gonna get it both ways now. I get it both ways. So I buy Do the you? I buy the okay. <laughs> <laughs> Try to work through that shit. It was there. It was there. That's what's called a layup. That's what. That's <laughs> anyway, I always buy the digital release, and then I wait, and when it's in omnibus form or big book form, I'll I'll get the physical copy because I can't get the single issues here in the Philippines. They're hard to find. Oh, okay. 
Well, one thing that we hope is not hard to find is Mikey's recommendation. So what do you Mm. got for us, Mikey? Um, I am recommending a book uh, called Honor Among Punks, which is the complete Baker Street series by Guy Davis. This was pre-Sandman Mystery Theater, which is kind of uh, where uh, Guy Davis sort of became more mainstream. And, And this is a wonderful sort of revisionist um, version of Sherlock Holmes. It, it's kind of steampunk before steampunk was a thing, sort of. It's like this weird sort of future Victorian punk rock vibe. It's just super cool. It's a super cool book. Um, I bought them in single issues, and they collected it a while ago. I don't know if it's still available. I'm sure you could find it somewhere, and I recommend that you do because it's okay. pretty awesome. How many issues did he write of that series? Oh, like a few. <laughs> Well, it was originally published by Caliber back in um, 90, like 1989, and there was 10 issues, and there was a uh, special, uh, because I have my floppies somewhere in a box, and I can't can't remember. Very pivotal question. Is it more Robert Downey Jr. or Benedict Cabbage Patch? (laughs) It's more... (laughs) I mean, the the, the Holmes character is a woman, so it's more like... um, I don't like know. the new one with Eleven. Yeah, sort of. That's Enola Holmes. Those are charming, by the way. I don't know if you've seen them. But yeah, it's just something you got to read. It's just, you know, the seedy underbelly, but it's instead of the 1880s or whatever London, it's sort of a vaguely 1980s. Cause the, well, Does it have me... airships? Does it have airships, Mikey? That's all I care about. That's my favorite thing from Steampunk is the fact that everybody flies around on airships, evidently. It's just really good. Just get it. Okay. Just, I'm going to take your word for it, Mikey. You've recommended good stuff in the past. And uh, again, stuff I've never heard of. That doesn't hurt. That's what we're here for. I just want to ask, does it have a guy with a top hat with like goggles on the front and a handlebar mustache? Because that's, no. that's, that's like steampunk too. Like This is more like Sex Pistols punk rock in, in oh. like strange Victorian-esque london it's 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 just it's it's a really good mesh of things it's a really really cool it's very cool. and mikey don't let these guys give you grief at the top of the show they're like oh you're not a special you'll That's always right. be special to me mike you're bringing the stuff that we didn't have any idea about yes i will do your laundry too <laughs> you don't have <laughs> to butter man. me up the you don't want to touch his boxer shorts. You don't know. You haven't seen those things. I have tongs. I have these tongs. I use I was, these tongs. There's not much left to them, really. They're just a couple of strings at this point, anyway. <laughs> they were always it's, a couple. All you of need strings. is you, you need just from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Get the dip. That's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We got a, we got an oil drum outside that we just burn them in. It's, it's just easier buying a new pair. <laughs> Any case, Chad, you're, you've got a comic book to talk about, don't you? <laughs> On that note, since we had an additional special guest, I'm going to recommend a Kelly Thompson book. Got a ton of great stuff. I, I loved her Hawkeye. She's been rocking it on Captain Marvel for a long time now. But my most recent favorite was uh, out of Marvel, Black Widow, first volume of which was called The Ties That Bind. Uh, she worked on that with artists Elena Cassengrade and Rafael de la Torre. And Jordi Belair did colors and... Carlos Gomez and Frederico Blee did flashback art in there. But uh, this series, it starts off and Black Widow gets everything she never knew she wanted, including a family. And, you know, she has a husband, she has a son and implanted memories and all of that uh, fun stuff. And you factor that in with the fact that she's still the Black Widow and there's all the action, spy, espionage, badassery coupled with some just beautiful artwork and it garnered an Eisner award in 2021 for best new series for Kelly Thompson. So it's definitely uh, worth checking out. If you're in your comic shop, uh, picking up your copy of black cloak uh, and you like that, go with the black widow as well. There you go. And my recommendation for this week actually was going to be my recommendation for last week when we were doing Mr. Miracle, but I never, we never had recommendations because we liked that book so much that we spent the whole time talking about it. So I'm going to talk about it here. Mr. Miracle was a Jack Kirby creation, and I'm going to talk about another Jack Kirby creation. Well, sort of. It's the 2001 Space Odyssey series that Jack Kirby did. Now, a lot of folks might know about the movie, Arthur C. Clarke, and and the great movie by Stanley Kubrick, and all that other stuff, and, you know, HAL 9000, and it's one of J.A.'s favorite movies. One of the greatest movies ever made. 
What I love about it is that all of those scenes from the Dawn of Man were shot on a soundstage. Not rear projection. They were projecting stuff onto the screen of still photographs that they took in Africa. Wow. They sent a photographer to Africa, and he would take a photo, and he would send it back to Stanley Kubrick, and he'd chart out on the image, okay, I want you to move the camera five grids to the left and take that photo. I, I don't know if Jack Kirby did as much as, as Stanley Kubrick, but he, I, I think he did with this particular series. Now, The Treasury, which is the actual adaptation of the movie, is extremely hard to get because it goes for like $200 on a good day most places. Because again, it's got that crossover appeal for folks like J.A. that love the movie. Like not only is it Jack Kirby, but it's an awesome movie. It's the, the best of both worlds. Plus it's a, you know, a treasury and there's not that many of them. But what's easier to find is actually the series that came after it. He wrote 10 issues of 2001, which was a monthly book. And a lot of folks might know it because issues 8, 9, and 10 are actually the first three appearances of my boy Machine Man. My robot brain needs beer. But the first seven issues actually deal a lot more with the whole monoliths and and star children and all this other stuff. And it's really interesting because like every two issues are kind of like a little mini arc. And it tells you about like, oh, these are the primitives that be, were uh, influenced by the monoliths to create one of the great technological leaps of mankind. Like, I picked up a stick and was able to kill an animal with it. Yay! Or this other woman who discovers religion because she can hide in the cave and tell everybody she's a witch and they'll bring her food. I, I don't know. But regardless, it fast forwards then in the future with the 2001 stuff. And uh, yeah, you get people being absorbed by monoliths and turning into star babies who are the progenitors of other worlds. That's it's all that, you know, cherries of the God stuff that he liked to do and things like new gods and, and eternals. And I think that's why I love this series so much. It's like a greatest hits collection of Jack Kirby's work. You like his stuff on Tales of Asgard with, you know, uh, giant, beautiful cities and like barbarian hordes. They they get they got that in this series. You like New God stuff. You like Eternals. You like Commandy with like weird alien viruses with faces. I don't know. It's in here. So go and find it. They're, they're also hard to find. But I have decided in 2023 to get the whole series. And I don't think Chad can find them at all in buck bins. But I hope he looks. I hope he looks. We'll see. You'd be surprised. There's lots of great stuff floating around in Pittsburgh area buck bins. Yeah, well, I, I'm hoping, buddy. Uh, if, if anybody can find it, it is you. And if anybody can find our show, it is everybody. Because it's out there everywhere. You can just go out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and rate, review, and subscribe so that you never miss any of our episodes every single week, including some of these awesome ones we've got with comic book creators. We've got tons more of these shows. That's right. Our show, it's full of stars. <laughs> there you go. And, um, yeah, so if you enjoyed the the interview with Kelly Thompson and, and Meredith McLaren then yeah make sure that you're tuning in i think later on this month we're going to have uh, some more of those interviews we did from baltimore comic-con with folks like philip kennedy johnson who did the action comic series bob mcleod who did new mutants and all, all, all a variety of other folks so yeah make sure that you're tuning in and if you need supplies to keep all of these comic books that we're recommending to you and you're hearing awesome folks like uh, Kelly Thompson talk about, make sure that you're getting out to bcwsupplies.com today and using promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off your order. They've got boards, they've got bags, they've got boxes, all the stuff that you need to keep your comic books looking fresh. Plus, you support The Last Comic Shop with every single sale. So use that promo code L-C-S-P-O-D. Did you accidentally buy a slab Spider-Man comic thinking it was from the Steve Ditko collection and need a fancy <laughs> container to keep it in? Go to bcwsupplies.com and use LCS Pod for 10% off your order today. <laughs> hey, you know what? You have a reading copy of Amazing Spider-Man 32 and now you have a slabbed copy. I mean, That's... there are worse things in the world. Come on. You, know, you could... 
get it and you'd be like, ooh, I like this slab. And a year from now, you've got like a whole section of slabs. I know. That's honestly, that's, that's the biggest the thing I worry about. I, I, I bought one omnibus and now I've got a shelf of them. <laughs> mm. And then I had to buy a shelf to put them on because I ran out of room. <laughs> And you can find shelves and more at BCW Supplies. Use promo code LCSPOD for 10% off your order. All right, Make all sure right. to sign in today. And make sure that you're going out to our social media, right, Chad? Like, we're on the That's socials. right. So we are on uh, most of the social media places, at Last Comic Shop, where you can find things like weekly polls that Jay puts out there. You can find what we're picking up at comic shops. You could find Golden Age covers to help tuck you into bed at night. All that more waits for you on the social media. And if you can't find it there, uh, you can always head back to the home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what else, J.A.? That's right. We have uh, links to our merch store where you can get uh, Last Comic Shop t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs. Uh, occasionally, we'll put out a special design. Uh, so, you know, you've got, you can get, do we still have the Kirby Crackle one for sale? Yeah. You know, I like that one. The Kirby Crackle actually looks fantastic on a travel mug. To be honest, <laughs> I am not kidding you. It looks great on a travel mug. Yes, we need to put out. We need to do a Kirby Crackle one with like Dark Side <laughs> hiding in the corner, peeking behind, <laughs> looking out from the side. Nobody's gonna notice me. I'm just this big giant gray guy. This I'm just in a trench coat. gray guy in a purple mini skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're taking your travel mug to your local comic book shop. Uh, you have our wonderful recommendations you can look for today, including, but not limited to, Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren's Black Cloak comes out fresh tomorrow. Make sure you pick up a copy of that uh, over 50 pages in that first issue. It's great stuff. But also, while you're there, you could look for Saga Volume 10. That's right. It's restarted. You can pick that up. It's uh, Everybody loves Saga. You could go uh, and find Baker Street, Honor Among Punks. Uh, or maybe want to look for that Black Widow series that uh, just came out in 2021. Or maybe you want to go way deep into the back issues and seek out some 2001 by Jack the King Kirby. All that and more waits for you, potentially, at your local comic book shop. Don't know where to find one? Use the Comic Shop Locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Danny Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful Mikey Wood. And until next week, stay safe, stay warm. Because if you live anywhere where we do, it's cold. And remember that... I don't know what you're talking uh, if, about. Cold? What? Cold? <laughs> I don't know. It's 80 degrees outside. Good. And remember that that J.A. Scott's got to rub his nose in the fact that he lives in some sort of tropical paradise every single freaking day. Do they have winter in the Philippines? We do. It's, it's, it's winter right now. It gets down to about 75 in the evening. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.